Good morning. I want to greet you in the majestic and wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Good Friday, the day that Christians around the world uh, celebrate and uh, stand in humble uh, thankfulness uh, for the incredible salvation that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us by going to the cross. And so I think it was appropriate for us to pray and then uh, we will spend some time just looking at um, the cross from a particular angle. Because as you know, uh, you could uh, spend an enormous amount of time looking at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You could look at the events, uh, how they unfolded, uh, how uh, unfair his whole trial was, and how he um, bared up under it, how he made no threats, uh, how he... Uh, did not use the power that God gave him uh, to save himself. Um, you could look at that. You could look at the deep theological meaning of the cross um, given to us in some fantastic short little picture styles like in Mark's Gospel. Um, one can look at uh, so many aspects of the cross. One could look at the words of Jesus on the cross, and we've done that in the past, uh, getting a perspective on the, as it's known, the last seven words or the last seven sentences that Jesus Christ spoke as he was hanging on the cross. And each one of them has an incredible insight into how Jesus viewed what was going on and what he uh, came to do. Uh, yeah, we could look at so many uh, aspects. We could look at Paul's words. He says, uh, may I never boast in anything but the cross uh, because by the cross the world has died to me and I have died to the world and so it is indeed um, this really bizarre reality isn't it that the cross was such a gruesome terrifying terrible way of um, executing uh, someone that um, you wouldn't actually find it described in the ancient days the Romans and other cultures who used crucifixion as a way of punishing uh, they'd never even described it because it was so gruesome, it was so unsettling um, that uh, one of the writers uh, even said a Roman citizen should never even, uh, his name should never be even mentioned in the same line as, as the idea of a cross. Um, and so here today we are boasting in the cross and we are boasting in the person of Jesus Christ uh, who's gone to the cross for us, um, understanding uh, the entire Old Testament context and uh, I want us to continue with what we started last week when we looked at Palm Sunday. We looked at how majestic is Jesus uh, in all of this. And so uh, this morning, I want us to look at the cross from a particular angle, the angle of Jesus himself, if I can use that. Uh, what kind of a person was he and how did he view things and how did he make up his mind and what were the things that were valuable to him? Uh, and we actually are given a little bit of that insight uh, from one of the passages uh, in the scriptures. So let's pray and then I'll read it and we can spend just a couple of minutes uh, contemplating this majestic person and how he thinks and what is his inner perspective uh, on uh, everything uh, about life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come and in one sense simply bow before you. <clears throat> we do that uh, and in a very real sense, because um, you, Lord, has come to bow before us in time and in history through your Son. We thank you that you are the God who 
has come to reveal your very concern and nature for us. We are given life through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that as we stop and just reflect on this today, Lord, that you by your Spirit may ignite our imaginations, that you may um, open up our comprehension, that you may touch our hearts, uh, that we may indeed uh, grow uh, a little bit more convinced and a little bit more sure and a little bit more thankful and a little bit more dumbfounded um, at the Lord Jesus Christ. And so thank you that we can come and thank you that we can come boldly. Thank you that we can come knowing that um, what he has done has been sufficient uh, to take away our sin, to take away our shame and our guilt, and to break the power of sin. And uh, we thank you for all of that, Lord. And so we bring ourselves with all our failures, all our weaknesses, uh, and we thank you that there is no other name, there is no other person uh, able to bring about salvation, and that he has done it. And we want to stand in awe of him, Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So I'm going to read for us uh, a short little poem, really, that is part of a larger argument um, where the Apostle Paul is uh, writing to the Philippian Christians. And his great desire is that the love of God uh, must grow in their hearts to such a degree that they would be able to um, discern situations, discern themselves and discern what is the most and the best thing to do in any context that will be an expression of this enormous love that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. That's really his prayer in the beginning and he's writing his letter with that in mind. He's giving them ample examples and angles on the reality of how the love of God uh, as you grow in understanding it in true knowledge and depth of understanding, will be able you to discern. So fascinating. In this section, he actually tells us about the mind of Christ, how Christ thinks. His inner perspective is the actual the word. How did Christ evaluate himself? That's what we're going to discover. Um, how did he view himself and how what was important to him? And how did that affect him? And how... In one sense, we get a, a kind of a, a longer section on how did Jesus end up on the cross? <laughs> what was he thinking? Um, what was going through his heart and his mind and his inner being uh, to end up on a cross? Because we know historically crosses were there for enemies. Crosses were there for evil people. Crosses were there for rebellious people. Crosses were there for those who opposed the might of the Roman Empire in the time of Jesus. Crosses were there to humiliate those who thought they could overthrow their powerful uh, Roman uh, uh, world. And so crosses were there for really the, the worst of the worst. And the, and the, yeah, and that's what it was all about. And so uh, funny enough that we actually celebrate that um, uh, because of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read first. So we start in Philippians and chapter 2. And right at the end of verse 5 it says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That's where we started, isn't it? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's where we started. We said Jesus' name is magnificent. And everybody, in one sense, that's the claim, who really get to know the mind of Jesus Christ would conclude, would have to conclude, <laughs> that there is no other name. There is no one whose name is greater than the name of Jesus. And as so often, even in our world, uh, the the magnitude of the sacrifice one is prepared to make uh, often is equivalent to the size of the name of the person who's done that. They are known uh, by the enormity of the sacrifice. And so here we see literally the mind of Christ being displayed for us uh, in this passage. And it's a poem. And so every word needs to, in one sense, be weighed and to be fully grasped. And uh, this is one of those sections in the scriptures that uh, opens up uh, realities that is very hard for us to truly comprehend in all its depth. And that's why it is good for us to contemplate it, isn't it? To mull it over and over in our heads so that we may um, grow in depth of understanding of the love of God in the bigger context. And so here we find it. Here we hear. So he tells us about the life of Jesus Christ before he became man. And he said, he were being in the very nature of God. So there those words, the very nature of God is... Uh, the Greek word morphe, which means internally and externally, uh, he was God. He was God through and through. He was truly, truly God. He was. There was nothing in him or outside of him that was not God. Yeah, he was uh, fully God, fully one with the Father and the Spirit. And the three of them are known as God. The highest point? The greatest uh, place to be, uh, the most uh, honor, um, privilege, uh, I guess, is belongs to God. Uh, he is above all. He's made all. He upholds all. He determines all. Um, uh, you can't really, conceptually, literally, uh, get a more elevated uh, uh, aspect or understanding of anything than the word God. I mean, he's at the top. <laughs> he's... You can't go higher in one sense than God because he is before all things and holds all things together and brought all things into being uh, and he's eternal. And so he's the eternal God. Uh, everything else is uh, has had some point of creation uh, made at some point. Uh, he's the eternal one. And so in his very being, there is nothing greater and nothing more magnificent and nothing more privileged than being in the very nature of God. And so he says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider, there's the word, he didn't think, he didn't evaluate. To be equal with God is something to be used for his own advantage. 
he did not believe that he needed to hang on to his own privilege for himself. In his thinking, he's a magnificent, unique position and nature was not something that he said, uh, I consider so important for myself that I will hold on it for myself or I may use to my own advantage. And this is raises so many questions uh, that it's quite difficult to understand what on earth he could possibly be. Maybe he wanted uh, to be recognized uh, uh, as equal with God uh, before the Father's time. Maybe that was a temptation. We don't know. I mean, could he be ever be tempted? But what we are told is that this unique privilege that was his, that literally gave him, uh, if you're going to give anything, stars, the 10 star, the perfect, the 7 star uh, treatment. Uh, this is the highest you could ever go. And he says he did not consider it something to be used for his own advice, or to hang on, to cling on to it for dear life. Um, he says, no, what he actually did is rather he made himself nothing. Or as the word says, he emptied himself. And he brought himself down to the very nature of a servant. So here you find the unbelievable uh, reality. To think in this way is just incredible. So here he is God. And he says, but to be God is not <laughs> weird. My highest priority, my highest value for myself. I want to value something else. I am prepared to empty myself. Whatever that means. How do we understand the fullness of what that word means? Empty himself uh, of his prerogatives of God, of his position, of his glory, of his recognition. Um, he says he gave it up in one sense. And he emptied himself, very interesting, into the very nature of a servant. Again, there the word, same word as the word morphe, into the very being of a doulos, a servant. Now, in the Bible, you have two kind of servants. You have the hired hand kind of guy who either works for you for a day or he sells himself to you for a couple of months or for a certain time period and uh, he, you work for him. He works for you and uh, whatever, and uh, it's a kind of an uh, economic contract. And so he, you've got less, uh, he's a bit more free than uh, this servant here that is described here as a, as a doulos, as a slave, as a bond servant, as one who's got no rights. Jesus says he came from God to whom all glory and service is due. And in his mind considered that not his highest priority, but he emptied himself into the very nature of a person who's got no rights, no belongings, no honor, nothing. He is one who does things for others. In the very nature, through and through, not just outwardly forced to be a slave, but actually is a servant. The servant of the Lord, most likely, what we read in Isaiah. The one who comes and willingly do that. He emptied himself. No one forced him. He was not uh, forced. He was not cajoled. He was not uh, kind of threatened. Yeah, he actually says, this is the way I think. The way I think is that my highest delight is not my being one with 
befallen any, but that I could come and serve. And I could come and serve man. <laughs> That's what I want to come and serve specifically. The whole creation, everything that my father made, God made. But I want to come and serve man specifically. I want to come as a slave, a full-on full slave, and I'm going to come in the likeness of a man. It's interesting there. In the, in the shape of a man. Because when you look at me, you would see I'm a real man. But I'm not a real man. I'm an actual servant. And behind that, I'm, I'm God. So it's really difficult to get your head around, isn't it? His thinking is that his godhood is not something he wants to hang on forever. He wants to become a servant. And then as a servant through and through, he'll come as a human servant. And that's whom he wants to identify. He is thinking of himself as one that is below a human. He's the servant of man. That is incredible, isn't it? He wants to come and serve man. The very man he's made, he says, I want to become not just like them, I want to become under them. I want to come and serve. And then verse 8 says, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. I mean, what do you call from God to servant to man? Now from man, he humbles himself. And out of all men, he became the obedient man. We all know from Adam and Eve, disobedience. It's been a mark of every human being. If you spend a little bit of time in the mirror, you will remember and discover that that person that is staring back at you, um, the one thing you can't say is that that person is obedient. The one thing you can't say is that that person that is staring back to you every day gets up and says, what a wonderful reality. I can come and obey and do everything that God says. That is my delight to obey and do every single thing fully without any reservations what God says at any cost. That's in the mind of Christ. The thinking of Christ is that this is what I value. I value my own <laughs> equality with God for myself. Not as high as becoming a servant of man and then becoming a obedient man to come and do what every man is supposed to do but none has ever done none has ever pulled off that's what I've come to that's in my mind and then he goes further and he says I've just not only become obedient I've become obedient to death no, but he's not obeying death that's not what he's saying he's actually obeying until the point of death even in the face of death he says I'm going to obey I'm going to do for man that man cannot, will not, shall not do, even though he was made to do it. I was made God. I am God. <laughs> Difficult to keep on having to be careful how you say these things, isn't it? I am God. And I've come a servant, the very nature of a servant, to come like a man. And now I am the man, because I obey, and I obey even up until the point of death. I went to death, even though I did not deserve it. I took upon death 
but not for myself because I didn't have to die because I never sinned. The wages of sin is death. I didn't have to die. I have never sinned. I literally gave myself in obedience to the Father to death so that I could die as someone who has sinned even though I have never sinned. How do you understand all of that? And then he goes one step further and he says, even death on a cross. Even death on the most horrific human way of killing someone who is the most derogatory, broken down reality you can imagine. He says, I did it all willingly. He humbled himself. No one forced him. No one could force him. He willingly went and became a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, that's the whole point, isn't it? When you sin, you bring a perfect animal and you lay your hands on your confessions and there's a transference of, of, you know, in actuality, but in symbolic ways, this animal is going to now die because this way of sin is death and you hand it over to this animal. But the one thing that you know is that that animal didn't go willingly. The will of man, which is the heart of man's rebellion and sin, has not actually been touched by all of those sacrifices. He is the first and only willing person who went willingly to a cross. And the cross stands for both the worst that man can do to man, literally almost, because some of those guys would hang on the cross for nine days. And in Jesus' case, remember they came and they wanted to break his bones because when they break a bones, you can't push up against uh, your own suffocation anymore. And so you would expire quickly. When they arrived, Jesus was dead already. And they were quite surprised because they didn't need to break his bones. And so here you find this unbelievable thing that he's, he willingly went to that death. So it's the worst that man can do is the cross. But the scriptures also tells us, cursed by God is the one who hangs on a tree. So here you find this double thing. The worst that man could do, Jesus came all the way from heaven from Godhood, through servanthood, through manhood, through obedient manhood, to obedience even to death when he doesn't deserve it. And he took the worst that man can do to man and he actually brought in the worst that God could do to man. That's Jesus' mindset. His mindset is that man must benefit as I bring God's creation back to him. And I do it willingly, gladly. This is my mindset. This is how majestic I am. Out of all beings that has ever lived, there's no one that has actually done anything even remotely like that. And that's why God says, well, I have lifted his name above every other name. There is no other there, there is no one that thinks like this. There is no one that willingly gives up all he has for others. We are encouraged in the previous section to, even though we're equal, to consider one another more important than ourselves. Which is very hard for us, isn't it? I mean, that's why we fail so often in serving one another. Because we actually think we are a little bit better. There are those who we think we are better than us, but, you know, they are in, far in, in between. Jesus was literally at the top and he considered it not the most important thing. The most important thing was to come and be a servant for man, a saved man by taking upon him the 
obedience man had to do, the death that man had to die, and the curse by God that man had to endure. He said, I do it for the glory of the Father and for your salvation. So what was Jesus thinking? On one side, he was thinking about you and he was thinking about me. That is what makes the cross such an unbelievable, difficult, wonderful, humbling reality. That the one who literally didn't need to do it, did it. And he did it all by himself. He did it because he wanted to do it. I hope you can capture something of the majesty of Jesus Christ and why there is no other name and why every name, whoever understands the magnitude of what he's done, will say, well, literally, there's no, there's no, there's, there is no one that could have done it. There's no one who has done it. There is no, no one even who will want to do it. We don't even want to give up our own ideas about ourselves for the benefit of others. And Jesus did that for us. That's what wonderful is it? This mindset is the mindset that sits behind the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There were many other people who were crucified. Thousands of people were crucified in those days. There was not one of them who did it willingly for someone else. Not even. Jesus did it for all mankind. Willingly. The only willing one who went to a cross for us. He was thinking about you and me. He was thinking about every other human being. He's saying, I want you to have life. That's what I think is very important. More important than me staying divine in heaven forever by myself. The Father and me have this one great desire that the little ones we spoke about last week in chapter in Psalm 8 and Matthew 21 I want to come and save the little ones, the vulnerable ones. I want to give them life. That is the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who has started a good work in me and you. The good work started when Jesus, before the creation of the world, decided that he would come and save us. That has been in his mind. If this kind of mind got him to do this kind of reality, stepping down into servanthood, into manhood, into obedient manhood, into death, into death on a cross. For me and you, do you think you could trust him with your life? Do you think you could trust him with the rest of your existence? Do you think that he loves you? Do you think that when you allow that love to grab all of you, you will find comfort. You will find assurance. You will find encouragement. You will find hope. You will find strength. That's in one sense where this whole thing is going. God shows us in Christ that very nature that he has. And that is to serve at his own cost. So that we may actually live and not die and have the kind of life that resembles the life that is between the Father, the Son and the Spirit which is completely other person centered Jesus' mindset is completely centered not on himself 
is centered on the Father and on us. The Father's mindset is concerned with the Son and the Spirit. The Spirit is with the Son and the Father. And they, the three in one, is concerned about us. And He's done everything for us. So may you find that it, oh, I don't know what it does to you. I don't know if the right reaction for you is to say, well, I need to exalt him. I want to know him. I want to know one who's got this mindset that does all of that for me, who did not consider himself about himself, but he considered me and my predicament and my need and my inabilities and my weaknesses. And he's come and he's done everything needed that I may have life. That's why we boast in the cross, isn't it? Is there anything else to boast in? Isn't there anything like this? The cross of Jesus Christ. Not just the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. May the magnificence of Jesus Christ grab hold of you so that you will so enjoy the encouragement and the comfort and the unity and the tenderness and the compassion of Jesus Christ in your own spirit that you may start to grow in saying, wow, here is a kind of life that I want to participate in so that I may start to imitate him in considering others as more important than myself. Seeing myself as humble, not about me, so I can serve others with the needs that I see they have. And so grow in this gift because that's what God has given us and that is what he's going to make us. He's going to make us like himself. So may you be captivated by the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ over this Easter. May you just take some time and contemplate this song. Maybe put it to music for us. May the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ fire your imagination so that you may enjoy and receive his life for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for for just having this time to think about what on earth is going on here. How is it possible that Jesus Christ could do that for us? Oh Lord, we can only look at our own failure to care for others where we care for ourselves so much. The me, the I, and myself are so much the first ideas and concerns we carry around ourselves. And Jesus Christ says, no, I'm, I wasn't, I'm not concerned with myself, I'm concerned with others. So thank you that you are concerned with us. Thank you that Jesus Christ is the perfect one. Thank you that he's the majestic one. Thank you that his love is indeed more powerful and more wonderful than we can even now know or imagine. Thank you that you have drawn us into fellowship with yourself. Thank you that you are speaking to us today. Thank you that you are, can fill us with your glory. And we pray that it may so affect us, Lord, that we may start to enjoy to imitate you in small dosages as we live our lives until you come to fetch us to glory. Indeed, 
to you belong glory and praise and honor and joyful participation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much for listening on this great day. Hope to see you on Sunday again.